Welcome to the Ryan Holt Show. On this show, you can expect the latest, the greatest, and the best curated content on business, marketing, automotive, and lifestyle. Sit back, put in your earplugs, and let's enjoy the ride. Now, as always, I want to make sure you get the best in content that will help you monster your goals, both personally and professionally. I want to keep this conversation going, so please check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at RyanHoltz1. And then go over to facebook.com forward slash Ryan Holtz Marketing and we can chat there too. I also want you to visit www.ryanholtz.ca as this will be where I put my almighty beloved show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show. Let the beat drop and enjoy. Ryan Holtz Show podcast, and before I get into today's amazing guest, um, I just want to give a lot of love to all you listeners. Thank you so much for all the reviews on iTunes and Google Play, and the shares and the love that you've given the podcast. Um, we are entering into our second season, which has been really nice, and uh, as always, I've tried to curate a very um, cool, in-depth, tasty, full of highly anticipated guests uh and my next guest uh she falls right into that uh please welcome dj ellie prohan to the show uh i just want to kind of start off the show with a with a quote by vanilla ice i want to go really old school today he says yesterday's history and tomorrow's a mystery so ellie i have you and we are here today welcome to the show Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, Ellie Prohan is a Persian LGBTQI prowess in the form of radio broadcaster, events host, and international R&B and hip hop DJ. She can can currently be heard on the Beat London 103.6 FM, which nobly won Best Radio Award at the Urban Music Awards, interviewing the likes of Shaggy, Mr. Lava Lava, Blackstreet, Maya, and Waka Flocka, to name a few. Her most recent outstanding accolade was playing a boiler room partnership event for the mayor of London's Sounds Like London campaign. We will talk about that later. Playing alongside AG Jam, Supernova, and Ray BLK, her personal set saw over 60,000 views. Ellie decided to pursue her love for music and embarked on an impressive journey, teaching herself to DJ. Subsequently, the last four years have seen her gracing the decks of some of London's top nights, including the Jazz Cafe, Ace Hotel, 100 Wardour Street, Solo House. I'm not even going to finish your bio. It's so amazing. Uh, I wanted to have you on the show um, because I love your energy. I watched a uh, interview uh, that you did with, uh, I believe her name is uh, Maya Jama. And you guys really got into it about uh, fatherhood and, you know, fathers that have been imprisoned and, you know, maybe one parent households and, it just was really deep. And I mean, being a new father myself, I, I feel like sometimes um, everything is catered uh, towards the moms a lot. And it's interesting yeah, because e- even when we go to the doctor's office, it's like, oh, my God, you know, good job, dad, that you showed up to the appointment. I'm just kind of like, I don't understand this whole, <laughs> you know, so. But before we get into everything, Ellie, tell us just I want to know your Persian. How did the hip hop come into Persian? How did you come into hip hop? Where was that turning point? How young were you? When did you start liking music? Like, let's go all the way back and then just kind of reverse engineer it. I mean, um, I have to say that I, I was I was 
brought up quite an American child um, on American slash Canadian music. Um, a lot of rappers that were around when I was a kid were, like you said, the Vanilla Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice and, Baby. And Ja Rule and, you know, obviously R. Kelly was quite big back then and, you know, big, um, big pun and uh, Puff Daddy and Mace and Faith Evans and Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, Biggie, Tupac. Like this was, you know, I that was my era, Ice Cube. So when I was a kid, being Persian and being quite homebound, being inside, indoors quite a lot, yep. um, whilst my mum worked like three jobs. Music, television, MTV, MTV base were like our best friends. So we used to watch loads of American streamed channels and programs. And we used to stand there and just watch music videos and mimic all the all the dance moves until we were like almost fluent with it. So I always had an affinity to that side of the world in terms of, of music. And it's never stopped really. So yeah, for me, it, it's, it's a childhood nostalgic thing. What do you think is the major differences, if anything, or, or contrast between music in the UK and then music in, in the United States, Canada, North America? I feel like, um, especially back then, in that era, the, the, the time the hip hop was, all those people were smashing it. Um, when you look at the UK scene, it was Garage that was really, really big back then. And I grew up on an estate and uh, mm. my mom being quite very, an estate is, I don't know what you guys would call it, but it's it's sort of where you normally live if your parents are potentially getting help off the off the system. Okay. Um, and they're working, but not not working that many hours. Yeah. And then they've got sort of a lower rent apartment. Um. So yeah, everybody was all in the same boat. So our parents were either not working, or mine was working three jobs to try to take care of three kids on our own. So. Garage used to be a really big thing with the youth um, back then. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Garage, but it's a real fast BPM. Oh. And kids used to like gather in blocks and in apartments and rap over this fast BPM beat. Interesting. But it was always, it was always like, you know, quite a cultural movement. And I, I never really got into Garage at that point. I was more the hip hop side. So... I just loved it because the hip hop side was all about fashion and lifestyle and being Persian, loving the bling. It was all about, <laughs> you know. The gold, it's <laughs> the, the nice gold. The cars and the yachts and the gold and the yeah. diamonds. Yeah. And, you know, you. Well, I aspired when I was a kid to have that lifestyle. So it, it was very different. Garage was such a great movement. And I guess I, I only really learned to value it and appreciate it as I got a little bit older. So would a but garage be like a there. version of like a freestyle, like how they do it in like New York and Brooklyn where everybody just gets a beat together and you stand around or is it a little different? It, it's definitely, it's a fast beat. Yeah. It's quite a high BPM and it's more about, yeah, like skill. Mm. Kids used to just jump on and freestyle with each other over it. Well, in my state they did, definitely. And it, it was, it was, it was, it's a really good genre of music it gets you moving for sure so coming full circle i mean as you know i can't speak for the uk even though i did google some really good terms i talked to a couple of friends because i said i got this really awesome girl coming on <laughs> i want to make sure i give her a proper podcast and you know i, I have to make sure so 
Um, I, I, I go back around because I, you're very vocal about the fact that you came from humble beginnings. So yeah. what, what you described as an estate, we would call public housing over here where the, it's, you know, it's government, you know, subsidized housing is, is what it is. And I, too, come from a very humble, humble state. I mean, I was a one parent household and, you know, Drake lied. He never started from the bottom, you know, but but yeah. you, you and I did start from the bottom. And um, yeah. how how has that shaped who you are? Because you have this insatiable zest for life and it. It really seems that no cloud is really going to even come close to to your whole aura that you're pushing out. And you're very much on the forethought uh, of life in both. I think, you know, I could probably say spiritually, emotionally, mentally, everything. And it really comes through for you. I see a, a level of sincerity. And I've, I've had guests on the show before that, you know, they're definitely on their Instagram doing it. But there's some false representation happening. But you're very genuine. Yeah. So how has that really grained you? I mean, um, I grew up with three sisters. There's three of us. I'm the middle child. Yeah. And my mom was a, my mom was a single parent. So, growing, I grew up quite fast. So at like the age of eight, I was quite aware of life struggles. Yeah. And um, I watched my mom, you know, work so many jobs, and I would tag along with her to make sure she was okay because I always had this like worry for my mom that she she was working so hard so i would really like follow her everywhere yeah and um she was a she, when she lived in iran and she was an accountant when she moved to the uk she had three kids she had to you know do something so she became a hairdresser mm. um so i used to go with her to all of these all of her private clients and be her little you know map reader and get her there and then sit and wait for her to finish her clients and then come back home with her and I guess I really saw um real life at such a young age and growing up on an estate and being around so many different types of kids that have different types of upbringings mm. and always knowing that I didn't want to stay on the estate mm. I wanted to I used to say to my mom I want to own our own front door because you have to go through a block to then go through either a corridor or a lift or a bunch of stairs to get to your flat. And then you have no, um, you have no agency over what happens in anywhere outside of your flat, apart from inside your flat. And I guess having a garden, a front garden and all of that stuff is really important to me. And I grew up with quite a lot, quite a lot of dreams. So seeing my mom work really hard, I just wanted to have a different life. I didn't want to be on an estate. I didn't, I wanted to, have a home and home alone actually another i used to love <laughs> love american movies when i was a kid as well home alone was one was one of and and like i said canadian movies one of the films that really encouraged me when i was a kid i used to say to my mom i want a home alone house because i was a real big family girl as well so i just aspired for bigger things and also my culture is very positive my mom is so positive regardless of how much she worked whether you woke my mom up at 2 a.m., 4 a.m., or you spoke to her at 3 p.m., mm. my mom has the same positive attitude in life. Mm. And nothing, even though she's been through so much, nothing ever weighs her down. So my zest from life, I think, is probably inherent. It, it's it's in my DNA. Mm. Um, I think with, with the culture, we love superstition. We love having fun. We love partying. And we are very spiritual. I mean, my mum never brought me up around religion, but she always emphasised God. 
and mm. you know ask for what you want be close to god and you know that was just my upbringing so i've always maintained that zest for life and i've always just wanted more I was a very hungry child um i was hungry for information i was hungry for knowledge i was hungry mm. to learn everything that was put in front of me so often you know i would just try to be better than everybody else not in an arrogant way but mm. i just wanted to prove that i could do it mm. so yeah I, i've kind of taken that into my adult life with, with everything that i've tried to do but i do i do have quite a big sense of responsibility so the fun side is really important for me so where i take on a lot of responsibility and growth i have to have a blowout and have a lot of fun because that balances life out for me interesting yeah you like to, you can tell you like to work and you like to ha- and you like to have play as well um you know i i like looking at your instagram stories because you're you're devoted into everything that you do and you're you're 100 whether it's uh partying or having fun or or all kinds of stuff and i really appreciate that um what do you what do you think is a struggle or what is hard um about being a female dj and i think it's uh, have you heard of a DJ? Show? Her name is Gioli. No, no. So Gioli, I, th- I believe she's Italian. But for you, do you feel there's any struggles or hardships, or do you have to work a little bit harder? Do you feel as a, as a female DJ? Could you talk on that a little bit? I, I got tons of, of of females on my Instagram who message saying, you know, I really want you to ask that question because, you know, I think that there there definitely could be something there. So could you kind of uh, you know elaborate on that? I think it's so hard being a female still in the industry. Um, sadly, I think it really does come down to you having the talent and the energy, but also it's about opportunities, being mm. an opportunist, networking to within an inch of your life, um, and knowing people because you might just meet that one person who believes in you enough that puts you in a different space and then what you do with that space is up to you but mm. you know i find guys still have it a lot easier like when i started djing um i would watch girls djing but i would watch the guys more yeah because there's something you can learn from men mm. that we don't have mm. and it is a it is a kind of i don't want to say an arrogant but it is an assurity within themselves mm. that even if they're not a great DJ, <laughs> they, they DJ like they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> and there's something that can be learned from that as a, as a woman, because we're so hard on ourselves and we pick everything apart to, to tiny degrees mm. that um, sometimes we do our, ourselves a disservice and miss opportunities because we don't push ourselves enough. But it's about really, my mum always says to me, unless somebody's paying your bills, don't care. Just go for it. And I think that's really important because um, otherwise you just have to think and, and see, a, you know, put, put everyone's opinions on you and you just have to go for it. As a woman, it is 10 times harder. So you have to be stronger and really push yourself. But as well in the industry, you know, there, there's not as many opportunities for women as there are for men. We have mm. this whole thing this year in the summer with festival season in the UK where there was a, a really famous, you know, quite popular festival that released their lineup and they blanked out all of the names of the lineup on on, on somebody had done it and showed like two women mm. in this whole page of this lineup. 
And then it just became, where are the women? And they got quite a lot of slack for that. And it started, all opened up this whole avenue of conversation mm. on why women are not getting booked. And it started up conversations about women only festivals and that these are the sorts of turning points that we need in the industry to be able to make change and to be able to push each other and also there's another thing when i interview artists on my radio show sort of the opinions start to change but over you know especially the beginning of the year when i'd interview female artists they'd always say to me women don't help women as much as men help men mm. um, men push each other and a man will push a woman sometimes because there's no, you know, they, they can almost kind of still be here. But, but women get so fearful about pushing each other to, to get a role because they don't think that, because they think that they won't, they won't, there's no, not going to be a space for them if they allow another woman in. Mm. So I think that is, is a bit of a problem. We do a lot of it to ourselves, but there is definitely needs to be a change on the opportunities that are provided within the industry for sure. Well, I call it self I call it self-suppression because when I think about female and male, and you know, in North America, and I'm sure you guys have it too, we have that whole Me Too movement happening, and you have, you Definitely. know, a lot of a lot of the celebrities, you know, that were, you know, you know, just treating women not nice, you know. Social media, I love social media because people say social media's made the world, you know, more terrible. I disagree. Uh, social media only heightens if you're an asshole social media is going to make you look like a lot bigger of an asshole so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like social media because social media is just now you know all this crap was going on a long time ago it's been going on for years decades racism all these things but social media has really put this magnifying glass on it and i love it because it, 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 social media has changed the world i think if somebody views social media negatively I think that's deep rooted within inside themselves because I view it very positively because it's this conversation starter that's happening. That being said, if we go to the hashtag girl boss, right? Girl boss. Yeah. As a male, I was raised by a woman. I'm very pro woman. Yeah. I mean, I growing up, I was for I most I, I played football, American football, not 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 uh, not David Beckham, sexy football. But yeah. <laughs> um, I played American football and, and you know, I was very manly, quote unquote, in that regard. But then I'm like, yo, let's go get a pedicure. And all my friends were like all women felt very comfortable with females. You know, a lot of guys were like, man, how do you start talking to that girl, bro? And I'm like, man, I'm just me. I'm just sincere, you know, and people yeah. couldn't figure it out because then they wanted to be like, and I, I, like, I always acted very manly, but I think, you know, the term for it now is like metrosexual. I'm very comfortable. Even my wife, like I don't sit outside the store. I'm right in there. I'm like, yo, those stilettos, we need to point those out. You know what I mean? For you, self-suppression with females, you're right. I think females sometimes bring that on themselves. How do you navigate that though? And how do you kind of say, I'm going to go left or I'm going to go right or I'm going to go straight? You there, Ali? You know, the thing is with me, um, I, I don't... Yeah, I'm still here. Can oh, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. No problem. Yeah. Um, I I always say I have no shame. <laughs> and when, when I was a kid, honestly, I think upbringing has a lot to do with it. Because my mum used to say to me, the what? And my mum has a very Persian accent. So she would say to me, the worst they can say is F off. I like so, it. I mean, that is the worst that someone can say to you. Somebody can tell you to F off. Yeah. And um, outside of that, it's just a word. Okay. 
all right, I'll go and try somewhere else then. So you have to, I, I genuinely just have this thing where I wouldn't forgive myself unless I tried. Mm. And I'm really excited to talk about my boiler room set actually at some point because, you know, that, that puts you under a lot of pressure. And when you're up against loads of different, you know, things, and then it's not just in the moment, it's the after impact of mm. doing something like that mm. and seeing what people have to say about it. But this is what I mean. The industry is a tough industry. Mm. So you have to have a thicker skin. You can't allow everything to affect you. Mm. And I think social media is amazing. And the one thing I'm so grateful for in social media is it bringing out mental health issues. Mm. Because in the UK, there's been a massive movement of talking more about mental health, of mm. the royals mm. even got involved. And not just mental health in women, but mostly as well mental health in men, because there's such a massive suicide rate for men Huge. who take their own lives because they can't speak. Huge. It's not in their culture to speak. Huge. So the Me Too movement's amazing because that's also changed a lot in the UK. You know, you can't do certain things anymore. Mm. It's now very much out there. And women will speak up now, which is amazing. But, um, but for me, the mental health thing is really important because the industry and especially the job that I do requires for you to be on stage all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are not like that naturally, I'm naturally quite a happy person. Um, but I do have my days where I'm just like, I've not done anything. <laughs> I've not achieved anything. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And you know, those are the days that you need good people around you. Yeah. Because you need people to ground you and the support system is so important. I know if I ring my mum on a day like that, my mum will literally calm me to the point where I'm like, okay, mum, I get it, bye. Um, you know, it's important. <laughs> all, of the, all of these things are really important. How, 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 how do you keep your mental health in check? When you're having those bad days, aside from reaching out to, to a support system, I mean the the human psyche is so powerful i mean subconsciously i'm never worried about my my forethought or my psychological i'm worried about my subconscious because i'm taking in so much information and then all of a sudden i'm like how did i get to this place in my mind that i feel this way and even if you talk to a psychologist they always say be very mindful of everything that's coming into your brain even if you think it's not there how do you deal with those days where you feel like crap or you just feel like, man, I've accomplished nothing in life and I just feel like terrible. And have you ever been to the point where you're like, I have a real big issue right now and I have to address it? Definitely. Um, so I was on a panel talk um, a couple of, maybe a month ago, and there was a record label head there, quite a big record label. And we came on to the topic of mental health. Mm. And I said that, the one thing that, because you're in, you're you're in front of some very young people, mm -hmm. people who are not so young and are tired of what they're doing and want to change and follow their dreams and need some motivation. Then you're full of some industry that are industry people there, and I feel like there's a little bit of a stigma where if you be too honest, then you open yourself up to vulnerability. But I don't believe that you can ever be too honest. Mm. honesty for me is the most important thing in life yes. because I can take immediate honesty what I cannot take is 
finding out. Mm. I can take immediate honesty. I might be a bit annoyed, but I can finding I can, out. I can fix that in my head. It's the finding out that makes you be like, how can that be? How can you do that? You're crazy, kind of eh? I can see it in you. You're just one of those crazy people. You're like, you cut me? Oh God. Don't cut ever me? cut me. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> exactly. and, and, and you're Persian. And you're Persian. I believe that, you know. You'll take that to the grave. <laughs> you'll take it to the grave. You'll say you might forgive. I'll take it to the grave. You'll say you might forgive and forget. I don't think you ever forget. <laughs> I don't think you ever forget. Like you it's, know what? it'll if change the relationship. <laughs> if that is culture, then I take it because you've literally described me in in one sentence. Yeah. So for me, the mental. We were sitting in this group, um, in front of this group of people, and. I opened up about mental health and how important it was to keep a check on it Mm -hmm. and make sure that you are mentally healthy to on every step that you take in the journey of this industry, in every industry, Mm -hmm. but this industry industry in particular, because there's so many expectations Mm -hmm. and so much pressure. And he opened up and he said, and I actually felt some kind of way because, um, I was so glad that he spoke up as a man. Mm. I said that it's important to get help. Mm. Um, And he came out and he said that he has counseling every single week. Mm. Now, I have counseling every single week. Mm. I have done for, I would say, the last two years. Because sometimes, and maybe two years ago, I had like quite a big trauma in my life. Mm. And I just think that you have to be aware of how your personal life impacts your walking everyday life because is there even a line anymore though ellie is there like uh, when we really to make the line because there isn't a line because instagram and social media yeah. amazing yeah and it's oh. great because people are talking out and there's so many things that we, are, are you know out there and nothing can be hidden anymore no but at the same time where does the reality stop or begin and the virtual world stops or begins. It is all one now. So you have to make a a choice to live in the real world and assess your feelings because that's so important. So I started going counseling once a week mm. two years ago. And it is genuinely the most responsible thing you could do for yourself. 100%. And you don't, a lot of people can't afford it. But there are organizations and charities, especially in the UK, that help you and that don't charge the same as what a private counselor would charge Mm. for you to get help. And it's just about you learning about those places and reaching out to people and speaking to people and saying, you know what? It might be worth actually me just going and talking to somebody just to figure out that I've dealt with all of the trauma and the stuff that's happened in my life. Because like you say, the subconscious stuff builds up Mm. and you know, Sometimes when you least expect it, oh. it can literally pull the rug out from under your feet. Yeah. And that rug, your family could be sitting on that rug. Mm. Your home mm. could be sitting on that rug. Your oh. job could be sitting on that rug. Yeah. Your your health is sitting on that rug. And next thing you know, you're, you're depressed. Mm. And it is a word. You're depressed and you're in a place mm. where you you kind of put yourself back 10 years because you haven't addressed and assessed those issues properly. So that's why for me, I have counseling every single week. Um, And also 
this is something I do really need to get back into, but meditation is honestly one of the most important things. And there was a period of my life where I was really meditating quite a lot. And I kid you not, I felt a sense of connection to myself that you really cannot get until you spend that time on yourself. And your body will almost try to convince you not to meditate because it is so hard. Like meditating is not just sitting there with your fingers like this and falling asleep. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, or, or humming. Yeah. It's not like that. Uh, meditating. Do you do, do you do yoga? Do you do hot yoga? Um, I used to do hot yoga, but then I really couldn't deal with the smell when I walked in the room. So I just had to like- The smell. Up. That sweat smell is not a Persian. It's not a Persian thing. Do you smoke shisha or hookah? You know what? I, I did long time I ago. Love but I love it. So my only yeah. bad habit. I you know the thing is- And I don't smoke smoking. cigarettes or any, I hate cigarettes, but yeah, I, I like shisha. It's illegal almost everywhere now in London. So yeah. you, can't, you can't smoke indoors. Yeah, smoking Don't, days indoors are done. That's so, the same yeah. here. That's the same here. You know what though? When I was in Europe, that's the one thing I noticed. Like it, when we're in Italy and Spain, is my God, people smoke. I oh, mean, oh, yeah. it's. Italy, I mean, some. They, they, I'd see a grandma they, come up. They pull another one out. Yeah, like they're it, like it chain smoking to like the one hundred and ten thousand atmosphere. It's culture though. It's called it's culture now. If we're talking about mental health, we're talking about counseling and we're talking about the morphosis of going between, you know, fantasy back into reality. Why does why can we all talk about it? But then when I look at people's Instagram feeds, that shit's looking really happy all the time, which I know is yeah. not the reality. Now, my Instagram and people ask me this all the time because I do mix uh, business and person on my Instagram because I basically view my own Instagram as Ryan. Like even my companies are all Ryan because I'm not going to like, I'll change. But like, if you have X, Y, Z, you know, DJ, let's say you're called DJ, DJ metamorphosis. You might say one day, I, I, I'm not down with metamorphosis anymore, but you're always going to be Ellie Prohan. And I like the fact that your name is just DJ Ellie Prohan because yeah. it allows your audience, it allows anybody that comes in contact with you to actually grow with you. And that could be downward growth, sideways growth, but it, it it gives a more of a holistic, real approach to it. So if we're all saying that we should be more real, you know, and live in that real life, why are why is so many human beings still trying to put up this facade that their life is amazing going and getting a, you know? It makes money. Yeah. When your life is amazing and you look happy all the time, people want to follow you because people get so much out of seeing that. Um, and I don't mean they get positives out of seeing that. There's a lot of people who will follow you and their life will, a lot of people, you know, Kardashians, great. You know, they've done amazingly well. But a lot of people will follow them and then be like, look at Kim on her jet. Look at her. And then drop it a like. Mm. <laughs> and it's so figure. Yeah, yeah. Like, people do that. It's, this is the world of Instagram. This is the world of of showing off what you have. And the thing for me is, I'm not the type of person. I think even if I was, you know, rich to the nth degree, I, I I'm not the type of person that shows off what I have. I like to show off an energy mm. that I have because that is something that you cannot buy. And that's something that I give a lot of myself 
you know, when I'm in a performance and when I'm DJing, my energy is so natural to me that I feel the freedom to just give it away. And often I get girls saying to me, God, like you have inspired me the way you're just dancing and you don't care. That mm. is worth so much money to me. And if, if that means that my followers grow by a small fraction of what they would if I, you know, showed off my new bum, or if I showed off my new car, yeah. then fine. I don't care yeah. because I'm being true to myself. I love and that. And like I said, a lot of people follow people for the wrong reasons, mm. you know? I love that. So, yeah. Now, you in an interview with Maya Jama, this is one of my favorite interviews that you did. And I think I watched almost all of them. Well, any, anything that was public. I invested a lot of digital <laughs> deep diving into Ellie. However, it's quite creepy to know that actually. But yeah, you know what? No, I think I think you should respect it. I think you'll respect it because it's to to have somebody. Um, I, I I always assume anybody I talk to, whatever you put online, it's kind of like Picasso. That's your canvas. So you're you're putting this specific art and stencil out there. Now you said to her when you guys got into the conversation of. Um, she was talking about, cause I believe she had some sort of documentary, correct? Yes. She okay. Did, yeah. So she was saying about, you know, how life impacted or her dad was imprisoned and things like this, but you kind of said, you know, it took you a ton of focus and a ton of it, ton of introspection to come up with questions to ask her. And you said it was, you know, kind of a challenge. How do you prepare for an interview? Who are some interviewers that you just are set off by where you think they're amazing and how deep do you have to go to, to really get to the questions that you really want to ask, you think? Um, the thing is, for me, um, I the one thing that I really don't do, and it probably goes against the grain of the industry, but I don't do controversy. Mm. And I know that this industry is all about finding out the juice and the gossip and sometimes pushing people to an uncomfortable place. But that is just not me. So um, the interviews that I will do, I will always read the, the bio as you've done. I'll do my research on the person. But if there's something that I know that has A, been rinsed and spoken about and the juices and the pips have all been taken out of it, there's no need for me to go back into that. Mm. If anybody wants to know about that situation, Google it. Do you know mm. what I mean? I want to know other things about this person. I want to know about, you know, where they are now. Uh, parts of their life that's impacted them you know i want to get some positivity out of this person mm. i think the only only interview to date that i've ever really gone in on and by going in the only reason i did it was because i got her full permission to was about two weeks ago i had dmx's ex-wife and eldest son on my radio show mm. and i tell you something for nothing that was probably one of the best interviews I've ever experienced mm. because I get given questions, but I rarely ever stick to questions because I have so many questions in my own head. I'm literally a girl of, of a million and one questions anyway. Mm. So um, <laughs> the amount of stuff that I wanted to ask her because I had seen loads of interviews being done by her, especially stateside and, you know, in, in North America, people had really gone in on, on certain radio stations and it looked so uncomfortable at times that I just thought, gosh, was she okay with that? Mm. Because also, I just don't think it's fair to make somebody feel like that just because you're in a position to. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I asked her permission before we went on and also DMX's eldest son. 
um, Xavier, I said, you know, is it okay for me to ask you questions about your dad? And because he was such an important part of the music culture. And he had such a massive fall from grace. And it's so, it's actually, these are real people at the end of the day. And that's one thing I think people forget. Mm. You know, everybody's just a real person. And in the industry, you can't expect people to be 100 all the time or make the Mm. right decisions. And he made some really wrong decisions. So um, it was it was unbelievable the things I learned about their life, you know, and it flowed to the point where it became a conversation. Mm. That's like me and you, we're having a conversation mm. right now. If you're sitting there and you feel like you're being interrogated and then there's like dead air and you're waiting for the next question, that's not really what you want. You want the, you want the, you want to talk so much that the person has to guide you into the next place. You know what? You know is- what? And we got to slide. I got to interject here. Shout out to Amanda. Shout out to Amanda, the manager, doing her thing. And she and, and, and you know what, Amanda? God bless your heart. I tried to find some stuff on you, but you're 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 low-key. However, um, you she was she wanted me to send questions and she said it twice. And I said, I'm not sending any questions. I don't do questions. So I said, I just want to have a conversation. So I'm happy. Amanda is very thorough. I'm happy. I'm happy you feel like you're having a conversation right now. I have never had any training on this. I, this is completely freestyle. It's just, it but just. That's it, the beauty. It is the beauty. And not everybody has that skill. And I think that every interview should be a conversation because that's when you get somebody in a comfortable place for them to open up. Hmm. And people who are in the positions like DMX's ex-wife, you know, and the family and gender Simmons family, you know, to get them to open up, to talk about everything. Mm. When I mean it went deep, it mm. went deep. Mm. Like, is that published? Deep, but, is that published now um, on YouTube? Yeah, it's actually, it should be published. Okay. If it hasn't been, it's probably going to be published like this week. Send me the, send um, me the, send me the link when you do have it though, so I can yeah, include I it. Will. It's, it is a real good interview to actually listen to. It's a big yeah. deal. Is there any specific, Interviewers, LE, uh, radio personalities, TV personalities, documentarians. Is there anybody that you you've like literally just been like, I love what they do and you've studied them, you know, for perspective and and, and whatnot? Do you know what? Um, there's this guy that I, I almost forget about sometimes. And not, that's not because he's not a prominent figure in the UK. And he's he's a really great. He's got some incredible TV skills. He's great to engage with. And I saw something that he did the other day, and I just, he reminded me of how amazing he is. And his name is Reggie Yates. And oh my God, every, Reggie Yates. Yes, I've heard of him. Reggie every, Yates. Everything that Reggie Yates has ever done, in my opinion. Oh. And I'm one, I'm the type of person, I get bored. Like, oh, I Reggie get bored. Yates. So Reggie just keeps you there on the journey with him the whole time and he's so humble in his approach and he's such he's so good at um describing what he's doing and and taking you on that journey that i think that he's someone that would would make you feel comfortable have you met him ellie i've never met him never met him and he's based in london too right yeah, he's UK London boy. Yeah, because I, I think I watched he did one uh, one um, he did a documentary on the Grenfell Tower. Yeah, I mean this is what I mean. He, he and he really touches on important topics. Yeah. Um, I never forget. I think he, I'm pretty sure he done this documentary about gay rights in Russia, and it was he was on the border of like, you know, getting done in. 
like he went he he does he does do quite risky things and i like that about him yeah like, i would love to to do what he does okay you know? that okay that would be amazing now dj elip rohan so uh event host radio personality um dj you do it all what do you want to be known for what what is the end game what's what's the one thing that you just want to you know skyrocket to if you were to pick everybody you know it's funny because i had a meeting literally two days ago and this was the question and it's almost too hard to pick Mm. because i am I don't know if you've ever seen that film that J-Lo did where she had like five different jobs. <laughs> You're Jamaican then. In order to be Jamaican, you got to have five hustles, right? <laughs> I'm Jamaican. We all like, got five hustles. Minute was, one minute she was a dog walker. Next minute she was dancing on a bar. The next minute she was a nanny. The next minute she was... And like, I do like being busy. I do like working. But my work has to make me feel happy. Yeah. And one thing... I'd say the umbrella that that what I would like to do would sit under is to give people my energy mm. and to 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 give people positivity and to encourage them. Mm. Um, and it's especially important for me to encourage people who are older because I'm not as young as I look. So I rem- I'll never forget when I went into radio. Do you ever tell your age? I don't because it's it's not an important thing to talk about but in terms of being like i'm blah age but it's important for me to say that no matter what age you are and this is why age is ageless Mm. because it's got nothing to do with your age Mm. it's a mentality that people Mm. like you say the subconscious that somebody will say something to you and then you will ride that out in in the decisions that you might make Mm. so somebody close to me said to me oh if you're trying to get into radio don't tell them that you're over 25 because you'll never get in. Nobody ever gets hired in radio over 25. And, you know, my boss at radio has never actually ever asked me how old I am. Wow. So yeah. he, he just he's just gone on an energy and something that I can provide and he's taken that. And I don't think we've ever even had the conversation about age. Um, so I think age is ageless. It, there's no limit in this industry. Anything that you do, um, it's important to realize that if you're not happy in doing something, the change has to be made and there needs to be no limit to it. You need to just believe that you can do it. So for how, me, it's putting that energy out there. How did you go about getting into radio? Like you didn't go to school for broadcasting or or any of that, did you? No, I didn't. And I have to say that um, I think my, the strongest people that have ever supported me in my life have been women. Because all mm. of my opportunities to date, apart from radio, have been been because of women mm. um and i started djing because um quite a well-known dj called emily rawson you know guided me into that that journey and into mm. that industry and you know st- gave me my first residency and i grew with her a lot and still work with her to this day mm. um, and then a very good friend of mine jam supernova who was on that lineup mm. the boiler room lineup who is actually a radio one and one extra dj and host mm-hmm. Um, she, I'm, we met whilst we were DJing and she started these women only networking events with, um, another friend of ours called Amy and they're called Flex. And it is such an important event for women because it brings like-minded women together 
in the industry and outside of the industry so like bring a friend and every time I'd ever been to a flex event I've always met a woman who has elevated me to another level mm. and this is where I say you have to have the right people around you and go to the right things because you know you can go to the wrong thing and meet the wrong people you know, it can be man, man or woman but this is where I say women have to support each other and a lot of women do um so at this event I think Jams was saying to me um have you ever thought about radio, Ellie? Because you have quite a radio voice. Mm. And I was like, no, I've never thought about radio. <laughs> now, bear in mind, I've actually, um, for 10 years, given away my age a little bit, um, started a salon when I was 21, a beauty salon. So um, I shifted from business, entrepreneur, property girl to radio DJ international dj and that was a slow transition because i started doing it as a hobby and then it became serious and i started making money out of it i was like whoa this is actually mm, a job mm. that i like doing so jams was like come to radio one extra come and sit in on my show and um we'll do a pilot so i was like i just i didn't even know what a pilot was at that point i was just like okay i'll just come hang out so i went on her radio one extra show and after it finished she said to me right jump on the mic then and um let's let's have a chat so put the headphones on and she started recording and then she sort of briefed me a little bit on on sort of what to say mm. and then next thing you know after a couple of minutes of talking she went right here is your pilot i really think it's quite good i think you'll be quite surprised i think you should um, apply to some radio stations mm. so i was like okay so she gave me some connections mm. And I applied to two radio stations. Both of them offered me a slot. Mm. And I went with the the one who, who A, I had a bet, the better feeling about, but also B, gave me a, the slot that I wanted, which is a daytime slot. I'm a mm. daytime person. Yeah. So I went in and had a meeting with my boss now, Ivor, who is a CEO of, of, of The Beat London. And I sat in front of him and he sort of asked me a couple of questions and he got to know me a little bit. And then he went, right, so um, when can you start? And I went, what? That's awesome. He went, I can give you a 10 till one slot on a Thursday. Um, and I looked at him and I went, I don't think you understand. I've never done this before. <laughs> yeah. He went, okay. He went, okay, fine. So um, how is Monday the night, Monday the blah, blah, Monday the blah, blah for training. And then your first show is Thursday the blah. And I was like, what? So we then, I was really confused. So we then left the office and we walked into the main office and he went, everybody, this is Ellie Prohan and she is now our new 10 to 1 a.m. slot, um, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. slot on a Thursday, um, presented her. And I was like, hi, everyone. Like, and I left the radio station. I walked to my car. I closed the door in a really confused state and I just burst into tears because mm. I didn't actually understand what had happened. I was like, I just went in to chat. So this is what I mean. You just never know who you're going to meet, mm. what you're going to do, what opportunities you're going to have. And if I'm really honest with you, I think one of the other bits of advice I would ever give anyone is be polite to everybody you ever meet. Mm. Like, even if it's somebody who rams their pushchair in the back of your foot whilst you're getting on the bus, you do not know whose child that is in the pushchair. Mm. Mm. So mm. be polite because, and I'm not saying be polite because to gain something, I'm saying be polite because you just never know mm. when that is going to have to come back. And you don't know who you'll meet. I call you that, the, I call that the reverse moon. It's like the reverse ass, right? You never know whose ass <laughs> you're going to be kissing one day. 
it's exactly. it's I, I, I'm going to swing back to this, but I have to segue into the, the beauty salon because one of the things I can't stand is when people leave their feet and their toes like grenades, meaning it's disastrous, you know, and the moment Listen, somebody I have great feet, I'm not going to lie. Well, I have like feet that you could probably put in a museum. Thank God. That's so it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's so important. And if you ever did research on me, like I bring up feet like since I was 13 years old, because I'm just like, yeah. it's the one thing I'm like, it's non-negotiable. Like it's just yeah. non-negotiable. And people just I think it maybe comes to that. They want to be superficial. So they're showing everything else. But then the feet are just grenades. And when somebody comes to me and says, oh, no, 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 no. It's winter season. You know, we're not showing our feet. I'm like, no, no, it's feet season all season. OK, feet season, 24 hours a day, 365, 360, days a year. 365. Um, so what do you say to somebody who says, I want to do this, but the point of entry to do it seems like it can't be done because somebody said age, somebody said where you come from. Somebody said you didn't have the qualification because you just went and did it. And yeah. in terms of the radio host, what would be just a couple quick things that somebody could do to, to kind of pull from that and just say, I'm going to go do it or I'm going to at least try. I would say the first thing to do is find a community um, within the industry that you want to work in of really creative people and go to an event meet people and speak to them and you never know who will have done the same thing as you that might give you a bit of a boost to be like oh actually it's possible um the next thing i would say is to research the industry everything about it and look at some key people to follow and to really try to understand where you fit in because somebody always said to me where do you fit in you have to find a place because there's so many people here. Oh, yeah. So what do you do that's different? Um, so that's the sort of question that I would ask. And also, why are you doing it? Because a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons. A lot of people do it to get famous or to get rich. I started doing it because I genuinely loved it. I was I couldn't believe that my life had done a 360 and the same music videos that I was dancing to in my council flat that I'm now playing to people in a club and making them dance. And I love dancing. So I was just doing what I loved. And then it did start to get serious because I started to get paid. And then I started to see the money and it became like, oh, I can actually mm. earn something out of this. Mm. So I'd say those are my top. Mm. I think those are great. Did you hear about uh, DJ, what's his name? Salvatore Ganacci, the Tomorrowland guy that went completely viral because he started dancing on his, on his sets. Do you know what? That guy is, is me. <laughs> like when I <laughs> so he went completely viral and then you oh, had man. some you had the old heads you know dj they're like man that's not dj this guy's he you know all his music's already done okay, we're gonna right? get to this yeah we're yeah 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 so he's got all the music done and you know he's not really djing anymore so what it's kind of like well if we circle all the way back and, we, and you bring up males you said well geez even if the male dj sucks He's DJing like he owns the place. So he's just got this this self, you know, con, you know, confidence. So what do you say to people that are like, yo, that's not DJing? And what is is DJing? What's the difference between DJing and entertaining? Are they one and the same? Is there a limit? Is there a line? 
uh, you know what I think? I just think that DJing is whatever you want it to be. So for me, DJing, the definition of being a good DJ is bringing people on the dance floor, turning a, what I, what is my speciality is turning a completely empty dance floor if I'm the first to start into a, a pumping room for the next DJ. Mm. And I think starting up as a warm-up DJ was probably the most important part of my journey because I learned how to get people on the dance floor and to keep them there. Mm. And a lot of DJs will be delivered a full dance floor and lose them within 15 minutes because they're playing what they want to hear. Mm. They're doing their tricks. They're doing what the things that they've practiced because it makes them a great DJ. And that's fine. But you've got to ask the person in the crowd that's just walked off why they're walking off. Because they might have come to dance. Mm. They might have come to like recite some lyrics. And there are so many different platforms if you want to go and see DJs that are cutting and doing incredible skills that, yeah, I probably can't do. But what I can do is what I know I can do. And I will stick to that. Mm. And if I love to dance and wine up and, you know, uh, give a little Persian boob shimmy shake on the decks, I will do that <laughs> because that's what I like to do. And if you don't like it, that's cool. Ellie Prohan. Just try and stop watching me. <laughs> Just try and stop. The Persian kid. Your English accent is beautiful, by the way. I always, I always, the way, like, it's so funny because I, I have a really good friend in London too, and she's so. Uh, it's just the words like we speak terrible English in Canada. I think so. You guys are very <laughs> proper, and even when you said the push buggy, like when I think of push buggy, I think of Austin Powers, and I think get all these oh, like little little images in my head. But it's it's adorable, but it's very like enchanting. However, oh, what is the, what is the Persian? What did you say? The Persian booby. Shake? The, the Persian boob shake is a classic dance that <laughs> we will all learn as a child. Um, it's it's very classic. It's a it's a shoulder shake. Oh. I feel like Beyonce learned it from us. Everything. Oh. You know what? You know what I'm like. I'm like. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've obviously seen the film My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yep. Where everything is Greek and everything is created in Greece. The dad is just like every Persian that I probably have ever met in my life. Everything is made, like even this, everything. We've created everything, but yeah, it's, it turns into a <laughs> bit of a joke, but but yeah. Now, Persian in, in hip-hop, like Persian hip-hop, Persian hip-hop. Now, does this go back into the um, being raised on the estate in terms of this hip-hop and Persian culture? Now, I, I'm in Canada. You're in You're in the UK. Is this a big thing? Like, will you see a lot of Persian people really kind of dive into the hip hop culture? Or is this something that's more you? This is more me because um, I, I bring I bring in the Persianness because being Persian, it's very rich in culture. Mm -hmm. It's very um, hospitable. We love taking care of people and making sure everyone's having a good time. Um, we're party people. We love a party and we mm. love music, you know? So the music of my choice is hip hop music, mm. but I bring my hospitable, my dance and my, my party energy as my Persian side. Cause really that's my upbringing. Mm. You know, we used to have the biggest house parties growing up, you know, even in my teens, me and my sisters would throw massive house parties we were like quite known for our parties mm. so so yeah 
I, think I know there's loads of Persians in, in Canada as well. Like, of course. Massive oh, God. Arabs, Arabic and Persian and... Oh yeah, Middle Eastern, and yeah. I always, I always knew at a young, I, I always knew at a young age though my wife would be Middle Eastern because I like the oh, belt. Is she Middle Eastern? My 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 wife is uh, is Lebanese and Egyptian. She's Arabic. Oh, so so I mean, for me, I always knew that our son is. Our son's a little, what do we call him? A Jamanese, a little Jamaican Lebanese, <laughs> right? So I mean, I I've always I've always loved that because even when I hear beat beat mixes and stuff like that with you know where they'll bring the Arab and then they'll put in the hip hop vibe to it, it's it's super sexy. It's just sexy. It goes right. It is such a sexy it, beat. It's a very sexy beat. Now, um, let's climb all our way. So if we go into the world of journalism media. We always say humans have three needs. One's to be informed, one's to be inspired, and one's to be entertained. If you had to that pick, if, if you're entertained. Uh, th- no, they're all me. They're all, but if you had to pick one of the three, which one is just, you You know, you're going to just kill it. One to be informed, two to be, what was two? Uh, sorry, informed, inspired, and entertained informed inspired and entertained this is very difficult for me right because i'm the type of person that i don't even have favorites so if you ask me what's my favorite color i don't have one what's my favorite movie i don't have one because i really just depends on what mood i'm in so if i'm walking in the street one day and somebody does something that inspires me like i had a meeting two days ago and i was literally like a rocket after that like even if somebody would have given me anything outside of that meeting i just would have been like I can't even see anything apart of, apart from the inspiration that I feel from from having that meeting. Um, so it's really difficult for me to choose. But do you really want me to choose? You know what's interesting after talking to you for fifty seven minutes and fifty nine seconds is that I feel like you like to be in control um, and you hate <laughs> and you hate to be comp- like you hate to compartmentalize yourself or or even remotely put yourself into a category. You do not like that. And I, I and I totally appreciate that because I think about it and I'm like if your attention is everywhere. It's like it's like let's go back to the Jamaican, right? You got to be you got to have five hustles to be Jamaican. Some people yeah. could call that instability. It's like holy crap, wait a sec. You're doing the podcast. You want to mark like whoa, you're crazy. But then you're like, well, I'm just feeding the beast because these are the things that make me happy. For you, I mean, circling all the way back around, do you ever slot yourself? I find it difficult to slot myself, if I'm honest with you, mm-hmm. because I am so, I'm somebody that sometimes I blow with the wind before I even know I have, mm. and I have to catch up with myself. So sometimes I'm already mentally somewhere else, <laughs> and then I have to be like, oh, crap, I'm over there. Oh, better run. Yeah. Um, so I find it really difficult to to compartmentalize myself, as you put it, because I just don't see the reason why you should. Mm. Because tomorrow you never know what happens. In Persian, I hope I hope I say the saying right, but we have a saying, and it might not make sense direct translation. But if you throw a leaf in the air, it can change a couple of t- it, the color can change a couple of times before it hits mm. the ground. So. You don't know what it's going to look like when it hits the ground. So you have to be ready for any eventuality. So mm. if I pick one of those three, I might miss out on another one. I mm. guess I'm always worried that I'm going to... I have the fear of missing out, FOMO. Mm. I'm always like worried that I'm going to miss out on something if I'm not fully aware of everything. Yeah. So I can't pick 
because I might be inspired one second and the next minute I might break out and want to be entertaining or be entertained. Yeah. So yeah, it, I'm it, like you said, feeding the beast. Yeah, it is it, a beast. It's a beast, right? It's so it's funny. It's so funny too when it comes to the beast. Maybe I, I'll try to send you this little clip because I think you'd appreciate it. But it was basically a documentary of Dr. Dre. But it, one of his, I don't know if it's ex-girlfriend, ex-wife or something, basically said, the beast never wants to be told when to sleep. The beast always rolls on their own clock. The beast can never, ever be told what a beast should even look like. But the way they dropped the music and it was this bass line and it just sounded like a complete animal. And it's interesting because I can tell your mind, right? Your mind is always going like it's 24, 7, 365. Yeah. Your eyes are so bright because I think it's processing so much information, right? Now, yeah. what's really cool and just kind of jumping. So if you had to pick between three of them, pick one. Oh, God, that makes me feel sick. <laughs> right. Inspire. Informed, entertained. Informed, which one entertained. is which one will you just kill it? Well, let's put it, you could hop on a plane and you're not allowed to take on, uh, you know, luggage, but you can take a carry-on bag. So if you only had these three to put in your carry-on bag, but you could choose one, which one were you taking with you on your flight? I'm, I'm taking Inform. Uh, <laughs> do you like to fly? I need to know what's going on. <laughs> all right, Informed it is. I need to know the information at all times. So from Estates, Beauty Shop, Beautiful feet, the booby shimmy on the decks, sliding all the way into the boiler room. Let's talk about the boiler room. Tell me yes. what the boiler room means for you. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, if they don't even understand what the boiler room is, maybe just tell them, give them a little glimpse. But as a as a personal accomplishment, what does that mean for you? Um, the boiler room makes me feel quite emotional because sometimes I don't even realize that I've done it. Um, it's a really big deal. A, for such a baby DJ in the grand scheme of things, there are DJs who have been DJing in their bedrooms from the age of 16, 15. Um, and then here comes Ellie after 10 years of having a salon, um, five, really just five years of being a DJ, who makes it into Boiler Room. And, you know, from what I've been told, was the most viewed set of that whole event, um, which is scary for me. Um, and it means a lot. It means, it's weird to say it means like I've made it because I haven't, but I've made it in such a big way in terms of an achievement to say I could do that. And it's, that's really important. Boiler Room is for renowned DJs. And I never forget, um, watching some of the boiler rooms different boiler room sets sort of a month a couple of months before my own boiler room set and watching jazzy jeff mm. and just being like i am going to ruin this, <laughs> this is a disaster i mean why am i watching jazzy jeff and trying to take tips off this man it's impossible you know um, and then at that point, I just watched so many kings and like queens on Boiler Room that I was just like, you know what? I just have to go in and be me because I can't be them. I cannot be them. I'm admittedly can't even do the same skill as them. But what I can do, I know I can do really pretty well. Mm. So I'm just going to go on Boiler Room and do something that hasn't necessarily, in my opinion, been done before. 
and that is the dj creating be in the rave mm. and when i look back at my boiler room i look like the rave <laughs> so that is what i'm like i did it that's what i wanted to go on there and do and i like i said i have no shame so it is what it is. it's just awkward looking back at myself sometimes because i laugh because i know that i'm not always in the room no, mentally i love it though because when i watched it uh, you know it's I just was, I think it, I think that's actually how I found you, to be honest, because I think I was watching another set. And then all of a sudden, this girl comes on and she's just a wee bit taller than the decks. And all of a sudden, <laughs> and she's just, and you're just motoring. And I'm like, oh, she's coming in. Like, she's, she's bringing that presence in. And you could tell, like, I went, you, to me, you didn't look nervous at all, but I think you're somebody that will definitely mask nervousness with let's just go kill it. Like, we're not going to even half step here. That's we just got to come out and go. Because if you if you do anything but then then the nerves might kick in. You're like, oh God. So you just gotta kinda get in, right? And I just appreciated yeah. it. But you're 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 definitely a crowd pleaser. Like you're all about the entertainment in the crowd. So I see that host thing come in. You know, when I, it's 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 like kinda like if we talk about the the, the Roger Sanchez's or the Carl Cox's and you know, yeah. I look at I look at the way these you know, Roger Sanchez is probably one of my all time favorite DJs because first of all, he's a beat he he was a dancer pri- prior. And this guy, when he talks, there's something about a DJ that doesn't stay behind the music all the time. They, they, they bring in the vocal. The vocal is, it's just sexy. It's like, I'll, I could yeah. sit in a dark room and if I hear a girl come in on a beat, I'm just like, and then if you throw yeah. like a little bit of the Arabic beat in there too, oh, all of a sudden yeah. I feel like I'm in Dubai and I got a hookah pipe <laughs> attached to my mouth. Say, and I'm like, oh my God, head. I'm very visual, right? And my mind is yeah. always elevating into places too. So I appreciate that about you. The boiler room, that's amazing. I think you should feel really good about that. And uh, how, like, I mean, for for other DJs out there, and even specifically because we are talking about, you know, how tough it is for female DJs, do you think that that alone, it helps? Um, I'm not going to lie. Having had so many views on it, we've had so much attention from it. Just even before this, I had people in and this is what blows my mind people from all over the world videoing them what themselves watching my boiler room set and then writing and tagging me in a different language and i can't repost it because i don't know what they're saying <laughs> <laughs> i'm like this girl must, might be saying this girl's full of crap in her language so i'm like great so i just send them like appreciation and thumbs up in message but so many people um tag me in it and it's it's quite overwhelming and i just think god like you never know what is gonna sort of get you just a little bit more mm. out there mm. so the boiler room thing for me was is is a big deal we've had loads of international requests so many things coming mm. in from people and i had somebody message me the other day saying i didn't realize girls in the uk could dj hip-hop music like that Mm, and mm. that's quite shocking for me because what do you think we listen to like we've got our own music and it's incredible and there's so many artists from all over the world who are starting to get help from us when it comes to Mm. making beats and making music Mm. and that's that's great to be acknowledged like that but you know 
yeah, it's elevated, definitely. It's made a difference, for sure. What do you think, I mean, it's funny how you say everything kind of helps. Don't you sometimes sit back and just think, yo, man, I was on the estate. Don't If we were to take a nice little 60-second promo video of your life and, and do a time lapse, doesn't it all lead to here? When you really think about it, everything, even if it even if it seemed some of the best things in life are the ones that don't happen. Like you really want to go left and it just would not let you go left. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're on this journey. Don't you sit back and just say it all got to here. Every single thing you did led to here when you really think about it. If I'm really honest with you, I would have never thought 10 years ago that I would be here. Mm. Never, mm. because I had a very different um, set of goals and my set of goals were never for me. They were always for my family and they were always for people I cared about. Mm. And it was more about making everybody else's life. I, I have this thing that I always used to say to my mom, I can't stop because I don't want to go back to the estate. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with with anybody who is in that position. You know, it's such it was a massive help to my mom. She would never been able to support us if it wasn't for the help that she'd received for us growing up. Mm. But I don't want to go back there. I never ever want. To, I used to go to with my mom to the council, and you know, grab a ticket when she would. They'd overcharge her for for whatever they'd overcharged her for, and then sit and wait with her in in a room full of so many different types of people that weren't getting the right help and you know so many disadvantaged people it's like that all over the world i mm. mean we have it quite good here we still get help there's mm. places that don't help at all no like in america you pay for your health care we don't pay and in canada do you pay for your health care in canada well technically no but they cut it off your check i mean you're talking yeah. like a 30 so, percent tax deduction right yeah so so it is like you know it is hard in the uk we've got a lot of great things that yep. are put under pressure all the time so I, I i can't stop because i don't want to go back there's the little girl inside me who will not let me go back to where i dreamt of bigger things because i've gone too far now mm. and i can't risk losing what i've created and what i've worked so hard for so i would have never thought that i'd be here it is kind of overwhelming sometimes i don't like to stop because i think i've not made it yet so i have to take this energy and keep investing that into the next because mm. that's the way that i i can build and keep going mm. you're, you're going with the momentum you're going with yeah. the momentum are you yeah. are you uh, are you in the are you a sprinter or a long are you a long game kind of person? I'm a long game. I'm, I'm a real long game kind of person. Like I'm long yeah. game. I'm not patient in a lot of ways, but one way I am patient in is is feeding, sprinkling into something that I want. If I want something, then I will usually feel my way through it. And if something doesn't feel right my body automatically puts the brakes on and it makes me stop mm. because that feeling of an unsettledness inside you, inside me, it, I, I can only equate that to anxiety. Mm. And when I feel that, I have to stop. Mm. But stopping, that sort of stopping isn't the same as stopping and thinking, oh, wow, I've, I've done, you know, such a great thing. I've come so far. Mm. That sort of stopping I can't do but the stopping where I'm on a journey and I feel mm. like something's not a hundred percent I'm not doing something right then that's when I have to stop to just regroup 
to see where I'm at, you know, to put a face mask on, to have a bath and then to think, hmm, is this the right thing? Mm. Should I be going right? And it's funny because often within three days of feeling like that, something happens where I'm inspired or I get information or I'm entertained that makes me validate the decision that I've made. Mm. And that's when I'm like, okay, great. So I really do rely on the universe to show me the way and the universe or God, whatever we call it, I call God the universe. So mm. self, you're very self-aware. That's a skill. People, yeah. th- how many people do you meet on a daily basis? They have no clue who they are. Really think about yeah. you're you're in a field you're you're in an industry the media industry it's got tons of personalities they have no clue they're so yeah. scared of ever of getting dropped off the radio or TV that they're they're trying to put out what they think people want and and I do see like there's a lot of interviewers I do love because I can tell they're they're really them it is them they're not they're not even trying like of course you have an audience of course there's the business end of it but people can see if you're if you're a con artist or you're bullshitting like it's very apparent right. In your first sentence of your bio, Ellie Prohan is a Persian LGBTQI prowess. I would be a terrible rookie interviewer for not actually asking about you to elaborate on that. Well, um, I think it's probably time that, um, that in knowing who I am, because I genuinely... Although I'm very aware, I think that culture Mm. and upbringing, nurture and nature Mm. really makes a difference um, on the speed at which you learn about who you are. Mm. Sometimes culture allows you to do so and you realize who you are at 14, 15 and you come out or you have an inkling that you're attracted to the same sex, or you have a sort of idea of your gender, or you start asking yourself questions, and you're in a position and in an environment where you're allowed to um, explore that. Being Persian and it being technically against the law, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, growing up, my mum, because she was a single parent, she was very cautious about, she gave us freedom, but actually growing up, I realized she had us on one of those, you know, those baby harnesses <laughs> that have the tight leash, button? tight leash, yeah, a little so bit at a time go, increments. Yeah, like You let it go. You press the button and, and your baby can walk off. But as, as soon as they start getting close to danger, you clip that mm. and, and they get yanked back, but they've gone in further enough, like far enough for them mm. to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I've come this far. Right, I'll come back. Mm. Um, my mum, that was probably her way of, of, of bringing us up. She gave us a lot of freedom, but actually the sort of freedom that I probably didn't have was the freedom to explore my sexuality and explore myself. Mm. Um, so growing up, um, I came out when I was 28. Mm. Um, and it was very you know late in life to, to have come out. And I did so because... A, it wasn't just culture and upbringing. I was a very busy child. Mm. I was busy from the age of eight. Mm. I mm. always had something going on. Um, at the age of 18, I was super busy. By the age of 21, I'd bought a house. Mm. Um, I mm. started a business. Good for you. Um, I was so busy that I didn't have time to 
look into my sexuality. Mm. Um, and it's funny because in snippets over over my youth and at university, there would be times where this thing would reoccur. A girl would hit on me and it was built into my DNA that it was so wrong that I would really push it away and reject it quite strongly. Mm. Um, until I just got to a point where I was having such failed relationships with guys um, for various reasons where I just never felt like it sat well. Mm. I always felt like there was something not right. I actually, it's going to sound awful, but I always felt like I was the man. Oh, interesting. In a, yeah, 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 yeah. In a relationship yeah. with a man, and it really always confused me. Yeah. And I guess it it, it created a lot of yeah. Is that be, of, is that because you're like is that because you're you like to be in control or you're more type A or you're assertive or you maybe got a, a tomboyish vibe or is it just because internally you're just like something's off kiltered here? Something was just off kilter. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Something was really off kilter for me and. Um, it was off kilter sexually. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I used to secretly be attracted to girls. I used to find girls attractive. Um, and it was very difficult for me to even allow that into my headspace. Mm. And it was only when I was, it's a really funny story. I do tell this quite a lot, but I'm, it's it's quite a big deal to say it on quite a massive forum, but I'm just going to do it because like, I have it. no shame. Do it um, up, do it but up. But I remember... Exclusive, exclusive. No, just joking. <laughs> I'm just having... I'm just, don't, 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 don't worry. Once you hear the finish, you're going to hear a lot of air horns. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I never forget being in a relationship with a guy. And I actually had somebody who, um, I don't want to go into too much detail, sure. but was giving me some home, like, um, exercise lessons. Um, and then... It all, the long and short of it is, she was just like to me, like she sort of tried to approach me in a certain way. And then I reject, I rejected the approach, but it was mm. very sort of innocent at the time. But the way I rejected it was that I knew more. Ah, um, yeah. And, and she was just like, when are you going to stop lying to yourself? You're gay. Mm. And at that point I was like, oh shit, I've been found out. Like it <laughs> sort of stunk into my head that crap, I'm gay. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that was the sort of beginning of my journey and that relationship it ended and I was able to actually be free to explore myself. And yeah, I came out when I was 28. And by that point, I guess my mum had seen so much of my life journey mm. and I had worked so hard to mm. provide for my family mm. and to take the male role in my family because mm. I was I was pretty much the dad of my family. I never had a dad grown up. Yeah. So by that point, I had taken on that role so much that... Um, that my mum sort of looked at me and when I just told her, she was just like, you know what, Ellie, it's your life. Ellie, can like, I ask you a question? Do you think the fact yeah. of not having a father impacts sexuality? Like I re I've read a lot of books on, on, <clears throat> you know, if you don't have a mom and you're a guy, if you're a woman and you don't have a dad. And I mean, you know, you ask 10 world renowned psychologists or whatever, and you'll get 10 different opinions on it. It's very, to me, it feels very relative. But yeah. do you think for you that has an impact? Um, Just because you're not getting that, you're not seeing that at a young age, you know? Like for me, it was, I, I asked myself, I'm like, why am I so comfortable like 
you know, I like clothes and I'm so like (laughs) I could talk to women about anything. If I like you could put me in a group of 20 women, but I'm very manly. But my my wife's like, you're like a a best friend and a husband and a lover all in one. And I think about I'm like, well, I was raised by a woman. So there's there's got to be some synergy. Yeah, but 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 you're not gay. No, no, no. That theory is pretty much out the window. Yeah, you were raised by a woman. It just means you're in touch with your female feminine side and you can appreciate and respect where women come from whereas a lot of men can't do that for me i don't think it impacted my sexuality because i have two sisters who aren't gay um and you know we all were brought up the same i was very curious from a young age so Mm. and in in a way that my sisters weren't so i think it, it is you know there's always this argument of born or bred bred gay mm. and everybody's going to argue that like religion to the to mm-hmm. the death because everyone's got such strong opinions on it and i'm not here to fight anybody's opinion i can just say how i feel mm. and i do feel like this is something that has always been inside me um from as early as i can remember mm. i was more i was friends with guys i had i was a tomboy growing up i had loads of guy friends when it came to girls um you know there was always that like confusion interesting of you're pretty you're you're pretty you're pretty but i prefer to hang out with the guys like don't get close to me sort yeah. of thing so yeah. um so yeah and I, and I had a lot of you know girl girl female friends growing up but i would always like lean more to the guys mm. um in terms of friendship i found guys much easier to have friendships with and actually when i look at my friendship circles now i have a lot of very great guy friends who who really love me um yeah. and i have loads of girlfriends who who really love me i just don't think it matters it, your your sexuality doesn't define define anything no 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 but it's i think i think if you're confused about it then it does define does that make sense i think I that think, that can cause a lot of a lot of i mean even people who are it's not even gay straight it's not even in that conversation realm but it's more so in the sense of people aren't in touch with themselves sexually like just in, just in the 100%. just in the, just in the realm of that and like <laughs> I won't get into too much because I'm we're very cynical people sometimes but when it comes yeah. to sexuality you meet people and you're just like damn you're like geez you know like you need a, a an aubergine or something like you need something like your your face <laughs> lo- your face looks like the energy's just not like you're yeah, dying. Huh? You're and dying. It's really important to encourage, and get some this is hair, a problem because <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to encourage promiscuity. No. Right? Um, and because that is something that obviously, as a kid, if I think my mum was always worried about, you know, if you explored it, you'd be pregnant. Like my mum was always worried about us, like sort of getting pregnant and really missing mm, out on a lot mm. of things that we could have done. And there are so many women that have pregnant, uh, uh, that have babies when they're young, and there's nothing wrong with that. You just do it the other way around. Mm-hmm. You have the baby first, and then when they grow up, you go for your life and your career. Um, this way around, I obviously haven't had kids, and I would love to, like, I'm leaning more towards doing that mm. after I sort of settle my career and figure out you know, we're, we're really pop with that. Yep. But I think it's important to encourage everybody to explore their sexuality, explore um, who they are. Like, I know girls who don't even know what their vagina looks like. 
<laughs> that's too. That's so funny. Uh, Ellie, you, you're awesome. Know. You're so great. This is. Do you think this is? Do you think this? Do you think that's like a uh, an English thing though? Because some people say it's more conservative. But yeah, I, we're I, very conservative. Yeah, but this is what I don't understand though. At some point, didn't you have naked women's in the in the newspaper on the first or second page of the Sun or something? Yeah, and as a child, you always flip that page really quickly. So then, do like, they do they still have that? I actually don't think we have page three anymore. <laughs> I'm sure they stopped page three. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 weird in Europe. Sometimes it seems conservative, but then at the same token, I'm like they're very open-minded people. So I don't know if it's a lot of you like. You know what they are? They're, they're, we're conservative, but we, there's a lot of behind closed door stuff. Freaky, um, freaky. That's 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 the way it is. I mean, I think you guys um, across that side of the world are a lot more open with your sexuality. Oh yeah, and music videos. Hell and yeah, lifestyle and I mean, big pimping. Let's go back. You've always been like that. Big pimping. You know. Damn. Um, I love it. Uh, I think this is great. Um, you've heard of Scott Storch? Yes. Beat maker. What's your two? Give me your t- two favorite beats ever made. That the moment you hear it, it just sets it off for you. Do you know what? I have to say that um, I I can I love American beats and Canadian beats. Obviously, I love Drake. I mean, he's he's just killed it. And I think that you know we have this joke in the UK where we're like, just give him a passport already. He's so all over our UK music that we're just like, give this Canadian a passport because. He's so in, into us. Like, yeah. Let him stay. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I think that I can't speak for, for um, Scott, but I have to be true to what I do and the music that I play. And I love Drake. I think Drake makes, he's like a Drake. genius. And I, I, I say I love Drake, but what I really mean is I love Team Drake. There's a big Drake umbrella, and Drake says himself, he, you know, he wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for the people that he's met in his life, God's plan and all of that. Cause he's got loads of people behind what he does. Yeah. But I, I think another person that actually makes incredible beats. Um, I love, um, the, do you know a rapper called gigs in the UK? Right. The name sounds familiar. Familiar. There's a, there's also a, um, a rapper and producer called Deneo. He makes something crazy. He's made some amazing beats mm. for people like Giggs. Giggs is such an amazing rapper. I would say that I would be between. It's so hard. Oh God, yes. you're asking me that three question thing again. I don't. I can't. This one, I w- this one I was generous on though. I didn't even ask you your favorite. I even gave you two beats. I know. <laughs> it's just too hard. <laughs> I you can't do don't, it. Don't worry. I I, I think you gave There's us enough. There's a group called Fanatics that I'm going to be interviewing um, next week. And they're incredible beat makers. They're like a UK production house. Like, they're amazing. Um, you know, there's so many people that, mm. that I can't. There's too many incredible beat makers. And so many... You know what I love now? That beat makers are being recognized. Producers are being recognized. They weren't being recognized before. I have producers coming on the show now for their own interviews. Mm. Which I think which I which I think is great. Um how can I be of assistance to you, Ellie? What are you proposing? Anything. I always ask I always ask everybody this. It's a very, very interesting responses I get. 
It's so it, because I always think, you know, I, I want to leave the world. You know, I want to give more than what I took kind of thing, right? I like that. Um, so how can I help? How can I help you? How can you help me? Hmm. I will probably give you my... Oh, I don't, I don't know because I, you know, the thing is with me, I don't actually ever like asking. Man, so you got a genie in the box right now. Me? We've crossed paths now. Yeah. So I, I can't control what you're going to help me do. Yeah. We just have to wait and see. I'm going to be coming to London in the next little while. Will you give me a, a tour of your radio station? A 100%. And I've never been to London before. Oh, everyone would love to have you. And you have to come to one of one of the nights I DJ at. Oh, that'd be good. The most amazing music. So you got to come and party with me. You got to give and me the proper you. local experience. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to interview you on my radio show. I would love to. I would love to. You so know I'm what? I have to do some serious digging up on you. I would love to. I've done, you know, I've done quite a few. I've done a lot of TV and radio stuff for interview wise. I like it. I like the media industry. You know, I think it's interesting. I think that... You know, even my podcast, my podcast, I literally just woke up and said, I'm going to think like a media company. And I just started going out and I want to interview people. I'm a very curious person. I own a marketing company. That's my bread and butter. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very creative and I it's kind of weird. It's interesting. Like I wear a, I lived in a suit for like, you know, years and years and up on the plane and down on the plane. And to be honest, the moment I had my child, I just you know, wow, it just perspective, it just changed so much for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I love journalism. You know, I do. And, you know, but I'm a digital marketing guy. And I thought, well, you know how to do all that. You just do it. So started. So, <laughs> so Ryan, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Inform. Entertain or inspire. Ask me what my definition of greatness is. What's your definition of greatness? Personal mastery that inspires the masses. Brilliant. Really nice. Right? So I think yeah. for me, it would be all three. But if it was inform, inspire, or entertain, if I inspire, I'm already going to kill entertainment and information anyway. Because to inspire, I got to give you something. And in order for you to even receive it, you got to even want to hear what the fuck I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Really nice. So inspira inspiration is everything. So... Um, you can take me up on my offer of how I can help you. Um, please don't let this be our last conversation. Oh, it's not. I, I'm it's not now. Now that we linked up, you know, so I think that's great. Um, I'm going to now kind of come to the end here. Ellie, this is your chance to to plug yourself or, or booby shake on the deck or push the, what's the baby carriage? No, what, what's the name for the Bush buggy. Push the push buggy <laughs> all into your flow. Let everybody know the projects you have going on, how they can reach out to you on social media and all that good stuff. Well, I would actually love to come and DJ in Canada. Mm. So if, if anybody wants to book me, I'm available. Might have to talk chance. about that. Yeah, definitely. So I am the Persian power, LGBTQIA prowess, um, all about equality and no limitations, no boundaries. You know, don't care what anyone thinks, doing my thing. And if you like what you see, you can follow me on my socials at DJ Ellie Prohan. Keep in touch. Let me know if I'm, you know, feeding the monster in you. Okay, I like that. Uh, everyone, again, this has been another episode of the Ryan O Show podcast. 
please go on to SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and like, review, comment. We have amazing guests coming on. We have amazing topics that we're talking about. And uh, we're having a lot of fun doing this. That being said, Ellie, thanks so much for coming on. You are absolutely oh, amazing. Bye, you're amazing.